0: Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi, I'm Rich Irani, and you're listening to Rich in Life. Today, I have Christy Whitman. She's a New York Times bestselling author of Taming Your Alpha Bitch, The Art of Having It All, and Quantum Success. She's a sought-after life coach who created a method to energy shifting and patterns that cause fear, anxiety, and worry, which for those of you who know me and listen to the podcast know that I make no secrets about suffering from these things and I'm happy to talk to anyone that I think can help me or just listen to me complain. I challenge Christy on this method to see if it really works and how to understand it better so I can apply it in my own life. She also discusses with me on how she created this method, after the suicide of her sister and the traumatic illness of her son that went undetected as a baby. She helped shift your perception on success, weight, guilt, and shame. It was a great conversation and you're sure to get something out of it. So I'm talking to the great Christy Whitman and she is a best-selling, a New York Times best-selling author. And I love the books. I mean, I haven't read them, but I can't wait to read them. The Art of Having It All, which, of course, I think we all want. And Training Your Alpha Bitch. Which, by the way, I love the cover of the book, The High Heel. Oh, I mean, you would. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, that's something I would carry. It looks like a Jimmy too. Was there any, like, what made you choose that photo? Or did somebody else choose it? Whose idea was that?
1: No, it's just that stiletto type of, it's almost like a offshoot of Devil Wears Prada, you know, because, She she was definitely, Miranda Priestly was definitely a a symbol of being an alpha bitch. So it just seemed like a perfect symbol to put on the cover of that
0: book. It's funny. It is. I just spoke to a stylist the other day and she was saying too, her very first job was for a famous editor and same thing. She was a real Miranda Priestly, a real bitch. And so, yeah, so it's funny that uh, you chose that. I'm just curious. So you must be into fashion for somebody who's so spiritual who's so, I don't know, are you very numb this day? Are you very spiritual? No. I'm, I'm ve-
1: well, I'm very spiritual. Okay. I'm, I'm not religious at all. I'm very spiritual. I'm all about energy. I'm all about teaching people about the universal laws and how to make their work life work and teach meditation and all of that. And yet at the same time, I have my closet full, maybe probably way too many, Pairs of Jimmy Choo's and Chanel and, you know, Louis Vuitton and, and, you know, Louis Vuitton and I, I mean, I could go on and on. So
0: and, you really like, so you, so you like your fashion. I love that.
1: Yes. Now is, I know before is we that get. The, you know, yes. beautiful shoes. Oh. Yes.
0: Me and Giuseppe go a long way back. I love him. Such a nice guy, Giuseppe. But um, I will say that I love to hear that because everyone that is very spiritual and that teaches and life coaches and therapists always seem to be so conservative to me. But I'm finding I'm meeting more and more women now that are kind of, um, I don't know, they have a lot of layers to them. They're not just, you know, one thing.
1: Yeah, I was doing it I was doing an event at the Omega Institute, upstate New York, and I had some young girls. They came in to do, I was doing an art of having it all workshop, and they came in. I was super, you know, dressed up and for Omega, right? And I had high heels on and they were like, I totally thought you'd be in like an Indian garb and, and all that kind of stuff. And you got you like got fashion, like you get it. And I and like, yeah, it's it's a passion of mine. I mean, i I, you're going to love this. My next book that's coming out is called mm-hmm. The Desire Factor. And it started off as a story of my love for purses and shoes because of the fact that I always used purses as a kind of that carrot. I stopped smoking 26 years ago. And the thing I told myself is that when I quit smoking, I'm going to buy myself my first coach purse. Because someone that wears a coach purse is not gonna have tobacco and all that kind of stuff, right? And so I I created this image for myself of who I would be as a non-smoker, and I would be holding my coach purse. And that's what got me to become a non-smoker, you know? And then we had this other time where I went with my husband and my parents to Venice. And it was the first time being in Venice, and I was like, oh my God, it was like the sky opened up with Chanel and Dior and Dolce and Gabbana. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I had just started my coaching business. So for me to drop down a couple grand on a purse was just not even going to happen. But I told myself in that moment, as I sat there in Venice, I'm like, I'm going to come back here someday soon and I'm going to buy whatever purse I want to buy. And that really, not that that's the thing that drove me, but that is one thing that I knew I was going to reward myself with. And a few years ago, I was able to go back and I went into every single store and I found this amazing bag in Dolce Gabbana and just dropped it down and, you know, feel like, hey, that's my reward for working as hard as I have.
0: So I love it. You went from coach to Chanel and Dolce and Gabbana and Dior. I love it. You see, you're my kind of life coach because I'm <laughs> going to tell you something. I don't want anyone that's going to tell me, you know, materialistic things really don't matter. It's perception, it's in your head because me and I think people listening, we all want everything if we can have it. We want it. I want everything including I want the great mindset. I do want to better myself. And I want you to kind of teach us how we can do it. Um I know that um one of the things you do is you kind of help people in their life on how to get things in order. How do you do it? Why don't you describe what you do for people? What, is it, what exactly you do and how you do it?
1: Everything is energy. And a lot of us have heard this, right? And, and we now have this down to modern science has proven that if you crack open an atom, it, it's energy. Everything is energy. We are energy. We are energy and we are physical. So we're both and. And to understand that this is a vibrational universe that we live in, meaning that if I put out negative thoughts, I'm going to have the same type. It's not a tit for tat kind of thing, but I'm going to have more of that same vibration coming back to me. So it could be someone's rude, someone cuts me off, I get a rude email, you know, something of that type of frequency and vibration will come back. It's like a boomerang, right? And these are universal laws. They, they are like what govern the universe, like gravity, right? If you take a ball, throw it up, what's going to happen? The ball's going to come down. Right. Yep. Why? Because of gravity. Well, we don't have to sit there and think and talk about gravity in order for it to work, right? Before we started yep. talking about gravity, our bodies weren't floating off into space. They're, it's working whether we're aware of it or not. And so the thing that with most people don't understand is that there are universal laws such as law of sufficiency and abundance. Let me get into this. So if you, if you look at this as a spectrum, on one side of the spectrum is lack. Lack always feels bad. That includes thoughts, perspectives, emotions that are fear, doubt, worry, disappointment, frustration, anger, rage, sadness, you know, powerlessness. That's all on the side of lack. It feels crummy because we are also energy beings. We're connected to a life force that's breathing us, right? And that life force that's breathing us, that's beating your heart, that's circulating your blood, is always in a place of pure positive energy. So when we, in our minds and our thoughts, are thinking, oh, I suck, or that's not enough, I'm never gonna do enough, I'm never gonna be enough, when we're, you know, this guy's a jerk, or we're complaining, or we're judging, we are out of alignment with that source inside of us. So if you got this spectrum, when you're in lack, you feel bad because you're out of alignment with the divine. When you are in the other side of the spectrum, you feel good because that's where passion and excitement and bliss and freedom and prosperity and success and abundance and all the good stuff is over there. And that's in full alignment. So you know you're in alignment if you feel good, you're in abundance. Well, there's a tipping point, right? Because it's a spectrum. You got some people that are really on the side of lack, right? And you got some people are really on the side of abundance. Well, what's the tipping point to get in from lack to abundance? And that's satisfaction. It's coming from a place of looking for the positive aspects, feeling gratitude, appreciation for where you are. You may not be over the moon for what you have right now, but you could at least find the good aspects. Instead of focusing on what's wrong and bad, you look at what's right and good. And that starts to tilt us into then attracting more things that are good and right instead that are bad and wrong.
0: Okay. So So now I find myself to be a negative person, but I don't think I'm negative at heart. I think also it's a little bit, I've gone through, you know, many different kinds of tragedies in my life. So I always feel like if I say things are bad, things can't get worse. I'm always afraid to say things are going well. When people say, oh, how's things going? Like, I'll never say things are great. Yeah, things are good. Things are okay. I'm always afraid of another ball dropping somewhere. You know, just when, you know, I buried someone, someone else got sick and that was a long illness. And then, you know, there's always something. So I always have this fear of being okay. So I'm curious to know, is there a way to change this habit? Or is maybe it's not that bad. Maybe is the habit not so bad or it is bad
1: to be that way? it could, well, let's put it this way. I don't want to say it's good or bad, but your life could be a heck of a lot better instead of really feeling because we're divinely designed to feel good and thrive, right? Not to just thrive materialistically and success. Absolutely. But to thrive emotionally. And what? let me explain what happens when someone is going along and they're feeling good, right? They feel bliss. They feel excited and then boom, you get news that someone died or something happened or the business is doing something wrong or a deal that you thought was going to go through what didn't. Those good emotions get bushwhacked. It's not a technical term, but that's what I like to call it. It's like you're going right. along and bam, something happens. And your energy, is it's like you're trying to protect yourself instead of actually processing the emotions and moving into a place of faith, not religious faith, but real energetic faith, like knowing that things will turn out, there's a constriction that happens. And then whenever there's a moment of feeling the excitement for something, you get weary because the last time you felt that excitement, somebody died or you got bad news. So we almost like question feeling good when that actually is our divine birthright is to thrive and feel good.
0: So, yeah, it's amazing when you say it, it makes it sound so natural, but it is very hard for somebody like me. Yeah, I listen to you and it, it inspires me now to think of all the great things that I have and how lucky I am. But yet the minute we, you know, part ways or, you know, I go back to my old ways and I just, you know, it's, it's so, is it habitual? Is that kind of, you know, guilt and anxiety habitual?
1: Well, yes, it is. Cause, cause here's the thing is there's a mental thing that happens but you have to remember there's an emotional thing. We're very complex beings. And so why like you could feel really good and inspired is because you didn't release the imprint. You didn't release that imprint. So I'll give you an example, personal example. When I was six years old, I was at a day camp. And I remember this like it was yesterday. It, my parents were never horse people. They weren't outside kind of people. And at this day camp, it was outside. All of a sudden, this per- person brought in a horse. And it was like this grand, it, it, just amazing being. And I was so excited. I remember, I felt the excitement. I thought I was like going to come out of my skin. And I wanted to touch the horse. And they said that we could ride it. And I was like, oh my god, get me up on this horse. I'm so excited. So they put me on the back of the horse with two little girls in front of me, right? And a dog came by and scared the horse. The horse bucked up and we all fell off the back of the horse. Now I was the first one to go. And then the two little girls landed on me. I got up and I couldn't breathe. Like I had no airflow. I, w- I thought I was going to die. So that imprint, because I didn't understand at that time, Every time at a point in my career or in my life, when I felt that level of excitement, I would shut myself down. I would sabotage myself because for me, that little girl that's very black and white, up and down, very concrete thinking, if that excitement is not safe, I will die. So I had to go in and literally heal that little six-year-old and let her feel the flow of excitement and be okay with it. And let her feel natural with it and releasing those pain points. That's what I do with people. And now I could get excited about anything. I allow myself to be. But before Do you that, ever
0: I, sabotage yourself anymore? Or not really?
1: Not really. When when I do, I notice I'm doing it. And then I'm able to say, what's what is that? What's behind that? Because I know that there's an energy block because most of us are, are moving around in life with our blocks and our limitations, or what I like to call, we're working, walking around in our pain bodies. It's kind of right. like this. If you were at a soccer game, right? And you're sitting at the front row and a soccer ball is about to come hit you in the head, you're going to go like this, right? Right. Lock, when- lock. Right. So when when the event is over, when when you see that you didn't get hit or that you blocked the the ball, you put your hands down, you go about. Energetically speaking, when things like that happen, those bushwhacks come, we put up our hands and then we stay like that because we don't know how to put it down to tell ourselves we're safe and to let the energy flow through us.
0: It's incredible. So I have a friend that sabotages everything. You know, everything that he does, he gets close to success and he'll somehow sabotage, you know, relationships, sabotage business deals. I don't know how to help him anymore. Is there a way that a person like that can be helped? That's not young. I mean, you know, he's in his, you know, I don't know, 40s. So how do you help somebody when they're consistently throughout their life sabotaging things? First of all, I want to ask, is it from childhood? Is this something that's them from childhood?
1: It, it can. Most likely it does. And then there's adolescent years and then there's the early 20 years. It depends on how old the person is right. and how willing they are to release it. Because here's the beautiful thing about energy is it doesn't take, you don't have to go and sit in a therapist's office for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end. Right. Because we're talking about literally releasing the energy and replacing it with a different type of energy with the, like the abundant energy with a free flowing energy with success energy abundant you know whatever it is that the person wants to feel and when you're re- when you have constrictions it's kind of like this if you have a hose right and you're about to water a garden but the hose is all gunked up right, right. like the water can't flow through it to properly water the garden as you start to release all those energetic blocks and everything is energy, whether it's someone has an out picturing of bad health or bad relationships or financial problems or career issues, light wants to go where it can flow to. And if you've got it gunked up in your ideas of how you can't make it, how you can't do it, there's only a limited amount of success, everything that's in lack, you feel constricted, you feel bad, and you cannot create what you want from that place. So that's the good thing, is that as you start to release the energy, those blocks, those energetic blocks, you have more energy to flow in the way, and you start trusting the good. You know, it's funny you, you said that, because I remember my life was full of chaos, and it was always dramatic, and I lived in a very dysfunctional family, and all that kind of stuff. And when I started really meditating, and really started creating this success that I wanted, and started healing the pains, and pain, the pain parts of me and started to feel an actual presence of of peace. I was like what's oh, this is something's wrong. Like peace felt horrible to me to be in a peaceful place, I'm like something bad is going to happen. And I had to get like that as a new normal that it's okay to not have chaos and drama and have to fix everything and to be in a place of just feeling peaceful.
0: So this is interesting because you didn't come out of the womb being this positive spiritual person. You went through a miserable stage. You went through hardships that got you where you are today, right? Am I right? Yeah, so let, me, you,
1: let me list some of them for you. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, <laughs> give me some of the hardships you had to go through. Yeah, list some of them. Yeah, everybody It'll loves to hear feel the hardships. Not that I'm happy that you were miserable, but I just, it does help a little. It, it you does. Know, misery loves company.
1: Right, it does. Well, you know, this wasn't a, a really miserable part, but this was a part where I had checked the box on everything that I thought was going to make me happy. I had you know, great body, had money in the bank, a great career. You know, I was, I was living in a brownstone in Chicago, my best friend, and I was depressed. And I'm like, why am I depressed? I've got everything that I sought out in my early 20s. And I'm like, is this life? I mean, I was almost suicidal because it was like, I've got, if, if, if I was told that all of this is success and I've got it, how come I can't find happiness? And that took me on a quest to learn about meditation and learn about universal laws. But as I was just learning this, my sister, who was 11 years older than me, committed suicide. And that was a really hard time to go through. But I'm so glad I knew what I knew about emotions and processing that. I also went through a divorce. I also went through probably three or four different times major credit card debt. We're talking like $200,000 of credit card debt. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, though, was I have two sons, uh, nine and 11, and when my baby was two months of age, um, I took my two-month-old and my 18-month-old to the doctor to get their regular checkup, and doctor took one look at my oldest son and said, great, here's your little toy, took one look at my baby and said, go to the hospital immediately, and we were like, he goes, don't even go home and take your other son home, go now. So we had we were living in Montreal at the time, had to drive all the way down to downtown, and we walked in and they whisked him, and within minutes, there was a swarm of doctors and nurses on top of him, putting pick lines and oxygen masks, and we were like, "What is happening?" So he was born with a transposition of a great artery. basically he was hooked up wrong. And babies, not to get too much in detail, but the babies that have this are gone within a week if it's not detected. He was two months of age.
0: How did your doctor detect that so quickly, just by visually just looking at him?
1: Yeah, he said his nail beds looked a little blue. But what's interesting is that six other doctors at different points had seen him and not detected anything. And I he was going to say,
0: a, at two months years old,
1: at two months, he had to have months. seen tons of doctors. He did. And And at one point, the doctor had said, "I don't like his nose gets a little blue. this was like days after he was born. His nose gets a little blue. You know, can you take him down to Montreal Children's Hospital and have dermatologists look at him?" I had three dermatologists looking at him and they were like, oh, it's just cosmetic. And I'm like, okay, I've got a 16-month old baby at home and I've got a a, literally a newborn. If this is cosmetic, we'll deal with it later, right? Right. And so this is two months later and they're saying, listen, in the history, we have never, ever, no hospital has ever done a surgery on a baby this old because they just don't make it. They usually have this kind of surgery within a day of life. And so he was in the hospital for an entire month. And we were just super clear. When we got that diagnosis, I turned to my husband, I said, there is no vision, no other vision than him growing up healthy, playing and wrestling around with his brother, going to vacations like Disneyland and cruises and different things like that. I will not entertain. I don't want to talk about what went wrong. I don't want to talk about who's to blame. I just want him to be surrounded in positive energy. And anybody that's going to bring worry energy into that ICU, they are not allowed to go. And so we were just in that space and applied exactly what I teach. And he is now almost 10 years old, 10 years old next month. And he is the coolest kids, biggest smartass. One liners like it just can make me stop and laugh. And he's super athletic, he's so healthy.
0: You seem like the kind of mom that would make probably great kids, especially boys, because you're easy to talk to. You have great stories. And let me tell you, yeah, it seems like you were challenged a lot, you were rattled. You were rattled. What point, where were you in your career at that point when this was happening? Like, were you in the beginning of your career or? Like well, was it was, a, was it easy to implement the things you teach at the time or were you like no fuck that my son my son <laughs> like I would be I would be crazy anything nothing would help me
1: Yeah no so when my sister passed I wasn't a coach yet so this is like 25 years ago right I just started learning this information for myself but I've been a coach for 20 years now and so we're talking, this happened almost 10 years ago. So I I was in the process. I mean, I was teaching coaches. I was tra- certifying coaches. I was full on to, into my practice, into my business, and I knew not only for my clients, I had to be strong, but I knew that I've had so many years and seen so many evidence. Cause I've had good stories too, right? Like I got a divorce and, and when I was clear that this wasn't the person I was like, okay, stop, drop and roll kind of thing. I was like, I am gonna write out a list of all the qualities I do want in a person. And I wrote a scroll, you know, of, cause I was so clear on what I didn't want anymore. And here I was living in California, right? and my husband lives in Montreal, Canada. I have to be honest, I didn't even know there was a Montreal, Canada, right? <laughs> right. I, I was flirting with boys during right. geography. Right, yeah, <laughs> right? I'm with you. I, yeah. Right, so I actually had created an opportunity to go literally across the country to work as a biotech tra- sales training manager, because I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time, got promoted with my company, literally took a line from Redding, California, you cannot go further than Pennsylvania, and that's what i did and got a job there went to a self development program and literally in front of me was my husband and the the people said okay find a partner the first words he ever said to me was will you be my partner
0: how adorable is that that's very cute
1: it's pretty adorable isn't
0: it <laughs> it is how long wait how how like how long were you divorced i mean for when this happened
1: i had one more week Because in California you need six months, so I had we started the process of getting divorced in February. I had moved to moved to Pennsylvania uh, Pennsylvania in April, and then I met him in August. So I still had like a week or week, I think two weeks that I was still married. So when I met him, I was still, I was technically Technically, still married. Technically married.
0: So what advice would you give to women that are in unhappy relationships that are still young? You know, I mean, because it's very easy to check off what you do want. Everyone's like, you know, I want this. I want money. I want, you know, popularity. I want career, you know, traveling. But I don't know. Sometimes I think, is it negative to check off what you don't want? Maybe it just sounds negative. Maybe you don't need to do that. Maybe just you're supposed to check off what you do want. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Well, you know, it's good to look at, the th- this is one of the things I take clients through, is that whenever we notice what we don't want, we don't want to stay focused on what we don't want. We want to then shift into what we do want, right? By, we're so focused on, I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to lose my business. I don't want to lose my clients. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be late. Well, so we need to start focusing on what do we want? Because it does make a difference. When you have a mental focus on what you do want instead of what you don't want, First of all, you're changing the mental, which is only one part of it, but it's important. And then the second part is, why do you want it? When you start thinking of why you want something and getting into the why, the feeling of that, now you're shifting your emotions in it too, which is important to get both the mind, the mental, and the emotionality involved in the direction of what you want to go. And most of us, when you really think about it, whether we want a new partner or greater success, more money, or a better body... We want it because we think we're going to feel something. We're going to feel different. We're going to feel better than we do right now. And so most people are, when I get that, then I'm going to feel. And it's important to understand if this is a vibrational universe, and it is, and if you're coming from a place of, I don't have this now, you're coming from lack, right? We need to get into a place of feeling the fulfillment of what we want now in order to be a vibrational match to it. So for example, if someone's feeling lonely, if I just got a partner, I wouldn't feel lonely anymore. You're trying to attract something from lack. Instead of being lonely, how about feeling connected to yourself? And cultivate that connection, that self-love, because now you're in a vibrational match to having a partner. If someone wants to feel successful, feel that level of success now, because that's the alignment that's the energy flow and then take the momentum take the action from that place we have to take action feel it and then take action it's the alignment and the momentum it's what i wrote about in quantum success
0: okay so i i love that and it does make sense you know in order to you know achieve things look at what you have yeah but how do you implement them if somebody is not happy with the way they look i deal with women all the time styling women I mean, I've heard thin women, average women, overweight women, nobody's happy. I mean, right. across the board, they're all the same. It's as if they were all look exactly alike because they all complain about the same thing. How do you, how does one implement that? How does a woman implement that kind of? Um, you know, therapy into their life. If Let's say they really are overweight and that's their weight, but yet everyone around them is so much skinnier, naturally skinnier, and this eats them alive. It's funny because Oprah said, when somebody once asked Oprah, I forgot who it was, they said, what is your, um, they asked her something like, what was your biggest thing in your career? You know, when, you, when you're gonna die, like what, what, what would you say your biggest challenge was in your entire life? And she said, it would be my weight. With everything she went through, it was her weight. When she had Tina Turner and Cher and uh, I think a few other people on her show for like a 50th diva thing, she had anxiety before the show because they were all so much older than her and she was the heaviest. So is there really a way to implement any kind of, you know, positivity to be, you know, make, there is, you're actually nodding your head. Okay. Yes. How? Yes. Because women would benefit from that.
1: Okay, yes. Everybody can benefit no matter what anybody's wanting to create because I uh, understand that there's one thing we can control in our lives, and it's us. And let's break that down. We can control our words. Watching our words, what we say, not only out loud, but to ourselves is really important, right? Is it Someone really? Had, wait
0: a minute. So if I'm thinking something, oh, so I need to stop thinking my my negative, crazy things because, okay, continue. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I mean, it says, I'm not a biblical person, but it says in the Bible, in the beginning, there was the word, right? Just watch this. If you were to say, and we'll just talk, say, can't afford, right? People say, I'll tell, you, I can't afford that, right? When you're saying, I can't afford something, you're closing your energy down. It doesn't feel good. But if you were to sw- shift your energy to say, that's not a financial priority for me right now, you're still open. You still, It doesn't feel like you're being so constricted. Right. Right. I, I actually got asked this question all the time, and I created a 30-day program for people that I love to gift your, your audience. It's called WatchYourWords.com. It's free. It's a 30-day video series that each and every day, you would absolutely love it. Each and every day, you get a short video. tells you the word and phrase not to say, why, and then what to replace it with. For example- So I want it now.
0: I, I, I want to do that like immediately do that it needs to go. I need to implement that. Exactly. Okay, I'm sorry. Because yeah, be I,
1: I would hear celebrities say this during COVID and lockdown and all this. Oh, I miss, I miss get not getting a pedicure. I miss not going to a sporting event. I miss not being able to go to a concert. I miss this. I miss that. Whenever you're saying you miss something or someone you're in lack, it doesn't feel good, but you can communicate the same thing. You can say, I look forward to man, I so look forward to going back to Neiman Marcus and when they open up their doors. I look forward to getting a pedicure. I look forward to going to a concert. I, I, was, I was kept saying to myself when everything was in lockdown, I look forward to going to Catch 44 with my husband and getting all dolled up and wearing my high heels. And that, and that, would, create, that. Yeah, and that would create a picture for me of what I'm looking forward to instead of feeling like, oh my God, I'm stuck at home again you know, I can't have a date with my husband. It's where you put your perspective. I, I had a girlfriend over, we've known her for 35 years. We are college friends and we were laughing because we had them over for dinner and there's pictures of you know my family on the wall. And my husband was like, look, Brad, I had hair then. And I said, look Les, look at my ass. Look how tight and lifted it is. And she goes, you know what, isn't it crazy? We're never happy with what we have because probably back then you were thinking, man, my butt's big. And I'm like, you're right. Right? So it's like, we have to start loving ourselves, accepting ourselves because the woman that, for example, what you said, that's fat, overweight, right? Not happy with herself. Whenever we're in a place of not feeling good, we want to use something to escape. And usually for someone that's overweight, it might be drinking too much of something or eating too much of something. But what if she just felt good? What if she felt connected and felt loved? And that's not going to come from outside. It has to come from inside out. So it's watching your words, watching your thoughts, because words lead to thoughts. Okay, so
0: one second. So I'm sorry, I, I, but I want to really get this down in my head. So what you're saying is that for, let's say, a woman who is, you know, is always struggling with her weight her entire life, she's struggling, what you're saying is that you can't depend on anybody else to make you feel good, which makes sense. I get it. In order for her to feel better and maybe accept it, she's gotta eliminate the thoughts, the negative thoughts about her weight. Feeling like I feel fat, my stomach is not what it used to be, my ass got bigger. Stop saying those things, even, yes. though, in her, even though let's say it's not in her mind, let's say it's literally true. Stop saying it anyway.
1: Yes, because whether, it's someone, whether it's someone is overweight or someone's in financial problems, the more you focus on I'm fat, I'm overweight, or I'm broke, you're going to keep continuing. If everything is energy and vibration, and it is, you're feeding that vibration. You're creating more of the momentum. I have helped so many women get in shape and lose weight, and I'm not like a trainer, because mentally they shifted their energies. And these are women that yo-yoed all their lives. And for now, at 15 years have kept the weight off because they shifted their inner relationship. I've helped men and women shift their financial issues because they change their relationship with money and start focusing on what's real, right? Because in the moment, it's like, I don't have any money in my account. This is real. Yeah, well, your late, your thinking got you to this situation. So if you want a different situation in a week or a month or a year from now, you have to think differently. You have to feel differently. You have to believe and expect, have different faith, not in what you don't want, but in what you do want.
0: See, now here's the funny thing. Normally, I would think that this is all such hocus pocus kind of thing, but I'm going to tell you why I don't. I'm going to tell you why I don't. What's smart about it in a way is that nothing bad could ever come from what you're saying. Nothing bad could ever come from you saying to yourself, you know what? Eh, I'm a little overweight. I don't care, but I'm lucky. I have this. I have that. Getting all the negative thoughts out of your head and getting all the negative thoughts about everything from business to weight to relationships, nothing bad could come from it. It can only help. Even if you don't lose the weight, even if you don't make tons of money, so you'll just be happier. Like Nothing bad could come. Only good could come out of that kind of thinking, which is why I kind of believe it.
1: You'll shift everything. Let me give you a personal story. All my life, I've been more short and stocky, muscular, but I've had my booty, right? And all I've always been critical because I didn't look like a lot of the other girls that were tall and thin. I had a butt, right? And so the guys or whatever, they would kind of make fun of me or criticize me that my butt was big, right? And I'll never forget, I remember when the movie Selena came out and Jennifer Lopez played Selena. And I was, it was the last movie I saw with my sister before she passed on or committed suicide. And I remember thinking, I go, God, that woman's got a butt. I got a, I got a butt like hers. And, and my sister said, yeah, it's super sexy. And I'm like, really? I've never heard anybody say that before. And then there was this big to-do about JLo's butt. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I got a booty like that, right? And then you got the Beyonce's and the Kim Kardashian's. And I'm like, now yeah. I own my butt. And my husband a lot I mean, when I met him, he's like, best feature you have is your butt. And I'm going, of course. What? Of course. You know, because we attract what we perceive and expect. So I started to accept and love myself, even though I got a butt, you know, and now my husband's, I mean, he can't keep my his hands off my butt. I'm like, do you mind? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he doesn't let you work these days, huh? You better be careful. You might have a third kid pretty soon. No. <laughs> Yeah, famous last words, no. Everyone that says no is pregnant six months later. Um, so wait, speaking of celebrities, I know you've brought, uh, brought up celebrities before, and I wanted to know, were there any celebrities that crossed your path that you were able to help and that was, it was joyous for you to help?
1: Yes, many of them. A lot of them, are um, not at liberty to share who they are, but many people know who they are. Um, okay, but
0: give me a problem a celebrity would have. Well, I'm not famous enough, I didn't win an Oscar.
1: I mean, no, like, what are they can't, can't find about? love. Can't find love. Yeah, I'm well, always that dating, I can You know, always yeah. dating the wrong bad guy and keep breaking up and, you know, two divorces under my belt and I don't want to go through another one and I don't want to be alone and, you know. And, so what and, kind
0: of advice do you give them?
1: Loving themselves, connecting with themselves. But this, so this one particular person I have in mind, the actress, um, she had issues from when she was a kid. She felt very abandoned from her dad and never felt that she was enough in her dad's eyes. Because what we do, here's a perfect example, we reach out on this physical plane to other people because we don't know to go up, right? And so we're reaching out for some kind of level of adoration or love or support or some kind of affection, you know, add a girl and add a boy or something. And we reach out and we come empty handed and then we go, oh, I must be not enough. I must not be significant. I must not be, good enough or valuable enough because my dad is more interested in work, right? And then we imprint th- thinking, making a decision that I'm just not important. And the daddy or the mom, right? To say a young girl, the dad represents the kind of relationship she's going to have with other men. If she felt this abandonment and not significant and really imprinted that, then that plays out because it's an imprint and now you attract from that imprint you create the same story see he abandoned me too see i'm not significant i'm not important it's true and then it gets more Was it Jennifer Aniston? Stop. <laughs>
0: I cannot say. I know. It sounds very much like her but um in any case um <laughs> wait but in any case so you're acquiring minds want to know <laughs> yeah exactly so in any case it's not so much that you're telling them what to do in order to attract men in any way it's more you have to look inside yourself
1: yes and release the it's energy the yeah i'll give you, a okay, per- when you give you a perfect yeah. example so my my husband is taking care of the boys homeschool right because of covid and everything so at the end of last year god bless
0: they- him for that <laughs> Just for that in itself, he doesn't even have to love your ass. Just him doing <laughs> that is enough.
1: In fact, he loves my ass, and he homeschools. Yeah, it's great. He's the greatest. No, so he. So one particular day, I heard them kind of, you know, kind of going back and forth and being stubborn and stuff like that. So that night, I said to my son, I was, I was tucking him in. I said, "Do you know how loved you are?" And he made a comment. He goes, "By you," and I said, "Well, what do you mean by me?" And he goes, "Not by daddy." And I said well, why? What makes you think that? He goes, he's so hard on me when he's homeschooling me. And I go, you know why he's hard on you? Because he knows that you're smart. And when you're kind of like dad giving the answers and you're not focused, he knows that you're really smart and he wants you to get this because he wants you to succeed in life. And so because he's, and he's not big hard on him, but because he's expecting you to give the answers instead of him giving the answers to you, it's because he loves you. And all the times that he drives you to your sporting events or does play dates with your buddies or, you know, feeds you all the amazing food. He could just give you a McDonald's all the time. Like he gives you incredible food. You get to eat lobster and filet and like vegetables at every meal. I mean, he really loves you and really cares about you. And he went, Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. He does love me. And I, and My point is, is that we make decisions like that. Had I not had that conversation with him, he would have had this imprint of my mom loves me, but my dad doesn't. And now with that decision, everything that he would be attracting from Frederick, from my husband, would be evidence of, see, my dad doesn't love me. He might love Maxim, but he doesn't love me. And then that's how the stories create. And then that's how the evidence builds. But because it was, that energy was just busted in that moment, I was like, no, look at all the ways he shows up for you. Look at all the way he tells you you're, he's proud of you and cares about you. He was sat back and was like, he does love me. And then my husband came in. He's like, Daddy, thank you for all you do for me. And they gave each other a hug. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing because that could have imprinted him.
0: It's incredible because I have my own stories of my youth and it sticks with you forever. You know, my dad died when I was 10 years old. So I had these thoughts in my head about my dad that were, you know, I you know, my brother, I have a brother who's a year older than I am and, and um we he used to always pick on me. And even though we were just one year apart, you know, we were kind of like twins because we were a year and 3 months apart and we would fight. My brother would always pick on me, but yet I remember my father once saying, Well, if you guys are gonna fight with each other, let's get you in a room and let's do it the right way. And I remember my dad wanting us to kind of fight in the room. And I remember thinking, This is so mean of him. He knows I don't like to fight. You know, my brother is the fighter. Why is he doing it? But ironically, we couldn't fight me and my brother. It was so unnatural because my father was putting us in a boxing ring and saying, Okay, now go. Come on, guys, go fight. And suddenly we lost the urge to fight, especially my brother. But I'll tell you, that story stuck with me through decades until I discussed it with my psychiatrist so many times. And I remember I always remembered that, and I think it kind of, you know, it kind of skewed my thinking about my dad for a little bit. And, you know, you know I just love the fact that dealing with issues, discussing them, really does bring them out into the end, and you kind of make peace with everything. You can make peace with everything, the way your son did, the way I did. You can make peace with things if you get them out. And is that how to eliminate the shame people have, the guilt people have, is to kind of get it out and try to understand what it is and put yourself in a positive place in your mind. So it's really, in a way, what you're saying is like kind of acting it out in your head, pretending.
1: Yes, but it's also processing the emotions too, because emotions are really important. And you know, you mentioned shame and guilt, and I'd love to talk about that for a minute, because yeah. Guilt is a very under, misunderstood emotion. Guilt, like we're wired to have emotions, like a whole spectrum of emotions. Most of us were told, don't feel this way. Little boys shouldn't cry. Little girls shouldn't get angry. You know, we've got all this stuff of what we shouldn't do and how we shouldn't feel. And so a lot of us then start to suppress either with food or alcohol or drugs or shopping or, you know, any of these other things and numbing out because we are afraid to feel ourselves. And guilt is one of those emotions that is wired in us to naturally feel when we deliberately do something of harm to another person. Like if we go rob someone and steal something from them, we should feel guilty. Or if we harm them in some way, go up to someone and punch them in the face, we should feel guilty. That's what we're wired to feel. It's kind of a mechanism to know, are we on our path of of morality or not? You know, is that, do I feel good? Do I feel aligned doing something like that? Does that feel okay? Well, again, when people feel like mom guilt, right? They feel guilty because they're working or they feel guilty because they're with their kid and they're not working on their business. That's the self-imposed shaming that's happening. And they don't need to feel that. It's a an habit. And so it's a it's a retraining of your thoughts to say, wait, when I'm with my kids, I'm fully present. My, my career, my business over here will totally be fine. I'm not gonna feel pulled. I'm gonna allow myself to just be present. And when I'm at work, I know my kids are fine. And when I'm with my kids, I'm gonna be fully present with them. But what happens when you got a mom that's doing both, The mom's at work thinking about the kid, feeling guilty, so not present with the business. And the full energy is not in the business. And now you got them with their kid thinking about what they should be doing with their business, so they're not fully present. They're never fully present.
0: So does it help to say to yourself, even if you might not believe it, my kids are okay. They're okay. They're fine. Like lie to yourself. Like I was told years ago by a therapist, just lie to yourself if you have to for now. You know, I don't know if it was in those words exactly, but it was something like that. Just tell yourself everything is okay. Tell yourself everything is okay.
1: Is that kind of what- What you tell yourself is true, right? We believe ourselves. So if we tell ourselves we're not good enough, we're not beautiful, we're fat, we're, you know, our kids are, are, or whatever- We're going to believe that and that's going to create our reality. The most important thing to take away from this and understand is that we create our reality based on our thoughts. So if we create our reality based on our thoughts and our energy, if we're actually saying, you know what, the kids are awesome. I'm going to see them soon and I'm fully present here, all is well, that's what will be the experience of it, right? I I told my kids yesterday, I have a very full day today from day, day and night. And I said, hey guys, just wanted to let you know, mom's got a full, you know, day, and I don't take it personally. I have to give a lot to the business, but I'm taking tomorrow off, so I have time with you. And it's like it's just communication. And I was like, well, I'm not going to see you tonight. I'm like, you're going to be fine. And he's like, okay. If see, I love I, that. I
0: got to learn. I got to learn from you. Yes, if you what finish. If I, I believe
1: if it's a decision and a solidification within me, if I'm feeling wishy-washy and like, oh, is it okay? You know, Then my sons are gonna pick up at that and then they're gonna buy into that. Well, mom, do you gotta work so much? And now it's gonna feed that guilt, but I'm not willing to go into that energy because I know mm-hmm. I'm not doing any harm to them if I'm working. I'm actually doing good for them. They can That's what I need to learn.
0: (laughs) Right. That's what I need to learn. And between you and me, I don't even work that much. I don't even so my kids have me and Brad home most of the time. And I still feel guilty if we go out to dinner. I have the two of them looking up, looking up at us saying, Well, why can't we go? We want to go. You always go out to dinner. Why do you two always go? We never go. We've been in quarantine for how many months? But you know, kids is always, you know, everything always. I have to learn that from you that it's okay. You're gonna be fine.
1: That's, You're gonna be that, fine. That's also watching your words. That's part of the watch your words series. Because when you say always, never, right? It's a black yes. and white. It's it's a very lack kind of thing. There's no shades of gray in there. And when when my sons will say, Will you always do this? I'll say, Whoa, does he always do that? Like every single time, always? No. And I'm like, then use a different word. In this moment, right then, you did this and it doesn't feel good to me. It's very different than you always, because now there's no room for improvement. There's no room for what's happening here and now, right? I'm feeling right. I need something. Ask for what you want or what you need. But if you're always and never, you know, the other person's like, well, I can't win with you.
0: There's no way to win. There's no way to resolve anything. Right. I love it. So it's it's the words what not to say. We're gonna. You want to say it again now? Tell us what it is. Just
1: it's watch web- your word. Yeah, watchyourwords.com.
0: Watchyourwords.com. Watch watch I love it. I'm gonna go on it because I need to do that. I say wor- I use words that Brad always tells me they're not helpful. I'm always using words that are not helpful because I I get emotional. I I I lose patience. I'm not very patient. I don't know. I don't know how, if there's anything I can do about that. There's
1: Yes, because when you release the pain parts, when you, here's the thing, when you release the imprints that are limiting and that are in pain, you have more room to be in the present moment. And so the things that push your buttons don't feel as big and you don't have as big emotionality because you've processed and you released it. So now you can be really centered in, hey, that was an ouch, that didn't feel good. Now it's not about all of you and all of your history and who you are and your value and the significance. It's about that comment didn't feel good,
0: right? Okay, your, so your what, go
1: ahead.
0: Right. So what do you do when your kids don't want to go to sleep? When your nine-year-old wants to stay up later, when the older one wants to stay up later, how, what do you do? I mean, you don't lose patience. I mean, how do, you, how do, you, how do I work myself out of that? I, I lose my will to live. <laughs> at a certain time, I no, 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 at a certain time of the evening, I lose my will to just live. I, you know, I get in bed and I just let them climb all over me and jump. And I don't even, I, I literally lose my will to live. And Brad gets so angry when I say that. But yeah, at a certain time of the day, and I don't even have to look at the clock. I already know, I go from, oh, you're so cute. Show me, you know, do this, do that. And I go from that to, okay, the day's got to I go from like one extreme, loving them, everything's wonderful, to the day has got to end. That's it. It's grown-up time. It's like I snap. And then I look at my watch, and then I notice that it's exactly that time of the day. My body knows.
1: Yeah, so it's creating new rules in the house and explaining to your kids there's going to be consequences or rewards. And we we have this thing called a family contract that we created years ago with our boys. And these are things that they absolutely cannot do, right? You cannot hit your brother. That's if you, and we do like a point system for them. And so we, we've gamified life for them because for kids it's all about consequences and rewards, right? So we have levels and layers. Like there's the first level when they do the basic stuff, they get so many points. For example, when they wake up in the morning, they get a couple of points for brushing their teeth, getting dressed, right? Stuff like that. If they do the dishes, if they do the laundry, if they pick up the dog poop, you know they get extra points. And at the end of the week, so there's like levels, right? Whatever level they get to, then they get to play more video games, or they get to go to bed a half an hour later, or you know they get to go go shopping on Amazon for something, for example. So you gamify life. If they do one of those things, like they're not respecting the rules of going to bed at nine o'clock, you're losing your points. If they, for example, swear or hid or you know, do something that's disrespectful, they get a, a notice from school that they did something. They lose all of their points, and they have to start over again.
0: OK, but Christy, that's so much work. You're giving me more homework to I'm do. Telling Why can't you. they just do whatever I say?
1: I'm just telling you. what I say. In the begin, we have, I'll, I'll, I'll send this to you. We literally have a contract. We Please. sat down with them. And we we said, for, for the things that drive you nuts, they were di- they were different for both our kids, right? For one, he, he was constantly potty mouth, like just boogers, goo goo, you know, like that kind of stuff. And we're like, could yeah. you please just stop? You know, so we were like, we put that, no baby talk, no, you know, kaka talk at the table, right? If you do that, he loses his points. The other one would hit his brother just for no reason. You just go, you know, for no reason. So that's part of that behavior from both of them has completely stopped. My son, Alex, he would come downstairs with this like Eeyore face in the morning. We put in there, you must come down the stairs and smile, be in a good mood and say good morning to each member of your family. He does that now naturally because he caught in a a groove. But if we would have let that behavior, it was like, God, you know, the dark cloud has come into the kitchen, right? And it's like, you all have to be responsible for the energy you bring. So what seems like it's a lot of work, your kids will love it. Cause they love, Well I well.
0: love the contract. I love the contract thing. I want to do that with the kids. And I think they would respond to that the whole contract thing. You know, they like that whole kind of, you know, it's it's a game in a way, you know it what is I'm saying? A game. It's a yeah, game. Yeah. But it's
1: a game for you to get what you want. <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> as the right. parent. That's the only kind of game I like, <laughs> Christy. That's the only game I like, even with Brad, it's a game that I want to get what I want. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, what is next? I'm curious what's next for you. What's next in this whole, um, I guess, self healing.
1: Well, I've been just helping more and more people learn how to manage their own energy, how to become their own energy mastery. And so master. And so I've actually been channeling the council of light and they, I literally, they come through me and I do, that's like my deep work and they work with people and see their blocks and can help them release imprints. And it's pretty amazing. And then, so the council and I wrote The Desire Factor together. So that's coming out in April 21. And uh, yeah, that's when I was telling you that was the purse book that then, in person shoe book that then really came into this book called The Desire Factor. How, you know, going for what you want, whether it's a brand new car, Driving an Aston Martin, or living in you know a multi-million dollar home, or going to Wyoming, or buying a pair of shoes—whatever it is—it's not wrong or bad to want material things because material things are also spiritual. When I think about an artist, like you know Giuseppe, right? When I think about Christian Dior, when I think about they're artists to create beautiful. Purses and shoes, right? What's the difference between that and a painting or a piece of music? This is something that got downloaded from them as far as creativity. And that's divine in my eyes. So
0: I love that. That's beautiful. That really and it's true. It's actually true. I'm so glad I had a chance to talk to you. And we have to get together. I'm curious, what size shoe do you wear?
1: Seven and a half.
0: A seven and a half. Okay, I have to look through my collections and, and see if there's anything I think you would like because I love the fact that you're so helpful, you're so centered, you're you're real. You're real. You get the day-to-day trials and tribulations of people's lives. And I think from what I've learned today is that if I just learn to say everything is okay, whatever might not be going my way, it's temporary, things will change and appreciate the good. That is how I want to end this, um, this conversation because I think that is what I took away from you. So that's, that's thank you everything. for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on. And I got to tell you, we have to do this again.
1: I'd love to. Anytime you want to have me reboot. back on, Rich.
0: <laughs> yes, great. I'm excited because we're going to need to reboot. And you have a podcast as well I want people to know. Tell, I do. Tell us about, yeah, what's the name it's,
1: of it? It's called Quantum Success. I've been actually doing it for about nine years as a video program on my YouTube channel called Qua- Christy, Christy Whitman is my... Um, my YouTube channel, but it's called Quantum Success, the Quantum Success Show. And it comes out on my, uh, to my viewers on my website um, at christywhitman.com every Monday, but it's also on Spotify and all those other different places as an audio. Well,
0: that's great. I can't wait to start listening to it this way. At least I can be motivated, you know, in between getting nervous and screaming at everyone. <laughs> Christy, thank you. It was such a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Rich. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what
0: you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life They keep trying
1: to tell me.